Well, welcome to Church on the Hill. Thank you, John. Thank you, Brother John. Um, John is a prayer. He is a part of our worship intercession team, and um, I am thankful for the manifest Word of God, for the manifest move of the Spirit, and uh, it's what we desire here at Church on the Hill. And thank you guys all for kind of putting up with my personality and my um, abrasiveness as I can be, but I want you to know, don't be offended by the Word. Don't be offended by the Word of God. And it's easy to come into church and to get off track. And let's get back on track right now. Amen? Who needs breakthrough in their life? All right, we're going to get it directly from Jesus this morning. Turn with me, if you don't mind, Matthew chapter 5. We have been spending the last few months in the Sermon on the Mount talking about the Beatitudes. And last week we continued on. But you know, God is moving in this place. I had somebody in the church this morning just run me down and say, I'm supposed to anoint you with oil and pray over you. I'm like, let her rip. Bring it on. I still got the smell on me, to be honest with you. And I, it really gave me this imagery of God and how he, how he loves a fragrant smell. And uh, do you know smell is one of, the, one of the things that brings back memories to you more than any, any other sense that you have? I've got this one, this is going to sound funny, this, I've got this one smell that I always identify to my childhood as a smell of this powder that we used to mix up to bottle feed calves. Now, I hated that time because I had to be up at 6 o'clock in the morning. I hated those cows. I hated being, being in farming. I hated it all. I didn't like anything about it. But there was something about that smell. And when I smell that, it just takes me right back to that. Well, I want you to know, as, as that anointing oil was put on my forehead... That smell got into my nose and into my brain and into my spirit. And I could kind of get a glimpse of around the throne of this, 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 the fragrances that are coming when we come in here to worship, when we come in here to pray, the fragrances and the smells that get released into, into the Lord's nostrils. And He loves the smell. He loves it. He loves it. So I just encourage you this morning identify what's trying to hinder you this morning, maybe in, in the Lord breaking through, and let's break that down. Let's break that down, because man, does everything not come at you on Sunday mornings? Maybe it's just me. But it's hard. It's hard to get to church. It's hard to get along. It's hard to get along in the car. It's hard to get along once you get here. It's, you know, it's Satan's just trying to divide us. But I want you to know God is on the throne. And he is ready to give you a word this morning. Now, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would just give us that word, that rhema word. I thank you for that word that John has given this morning, Lord. And we do just want to simplify our life down to putting you first. Your word says that love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And to love our neighbor as ourselves. And I think, in essence, that's the word that John gave. And, Lord, that agrees with my spirit. Lord, I agree with it in your word. I believe it is a word from the Lord. And we receive it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, let me just backtrack just for a moment. This coming Saturday, February 16th at 8.30, back here in the Fellowship Hall, we're going to have a men's breakfast. breakfast. I encourage you to come. What's funny, John, is that word that you gave is the, is the word that I feel like the Lord's given me. Now, I'm not going to share it. You're going to have to come Saturday morning to hear it. But it'll be brief, I promise. 
It'll be brief. This time's to fellowship and to uh, eat. Joe McGee talks about there is times to pray long prayers and there's times to pray eating prayers. <laughs> and when the food is hot, make the prayer short. <laughs> Amen. And I want you to know Saturday morning is a time of us getting together and, and uh, fellowshipping with one another and um, being men. And that can, that can be fun. So, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Let's dive in here. Y'all ready? All right, let's go. Don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything has been accomplished. Verse 19. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 20, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now let me go back, and I'm going to say what I've been saying for the last two months. This is Jesus' teaching. So open up your ears and let the church hear what Jesus has to say. Let us have ears to hear. Amen? Amen. Now I encourage y'all, stir yourselves up a little bit. I I need a little bit of stirring in this place. Amen? Say amen. 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 All right. Jesus said... If you will follow my way, if you will follow my kingdom way, he's just said to us in these eight beatitudes, then what what will we be? We will be salt and we will be light. We will make a difference in our city, in our nation, in our family. We will preserve and not allow decay. Is the United States on the on on the decay train? Yes. Where's the problem? The church. Not the government, not the president. The church. The church is salt and can stop decay. And it can preserve. So church, we have, a, we have work to do. What else does it do? It makes people hunger and thirst for God. Is the United States hungry and thirsty for God? No. Why? Because the church isn't salty. The salt has lost its value. It's lost its worth. Remember what it's good for? Good for nothing. Absolutely nothing. Say it again. I'll stop there. I'm not. Okay. Salt and light. Salt and light. He says, don't think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, don't think that any of the promises I made in the Old Testament, I'm going to forget. I'm not going to forget them. I've come to fulfill them. And what the prophets have said, I've come to fulfill that word. That Jesus has come to fill the earth with God's glory. So, Jesus fills us, 
And when we are full of his word, when we are full of his spirit, when we are full of his direction and we walk it out, we literally become salt and light, bringing righteousness and transformation to the nations. You know what? All of a sudden, my life has meaning. What's the meaning of life? Following Christ and letting him work through you. I'm to be a part of Jesus fulfilling his word. There is no plan B. We are his plan. Matthew chapter 5 verse 19. Therefore anyone, therefore anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. I think this is one of the greatest I think this is one of the largest ignored warnings that Jesus gave to the church. And remember, this teaching is directly from Jesus. Anyone who consistently breaks these commands and teaches others to do it. Now, I want you to catch this. This person's born again. This is somebody in the church. Born again. And he's going to go to heaven. But he's going to be least in the kingdom. doesn't say he's going to be booted out. He's going to be least in the kingdom. Now, that, that, has me, that has worth to me. Nobody here would choose to be least. Would you? I, I, I hopefully, I am not so stubborn and ignorant that I would cognizantly, by my own understanding, choose to be least. Now, I'm not talking about in the kingdom where it says to serve, you're to be the least, you're to be the servant. I'm talking about choosing not to do well. God doesn't want you not to do well. He wants you to do well, that things will go well with you. So I don't want to choose to be least. Okay, well, the Lord's saying, well, this is one way to be least. Well, okay, I want to listen. He'll be loved, but he'll be least. In terms of stature and function and authority, he will be least. And can I tell you, it doesn't matter whether or not you're famous. If you break the least of these commandments consistently, and I emphasize consistently because we all occasionally break them. What he means is that if you don't care about them and you ignore these commandments, what does that sound like in the Beatitudes? Those that mourn. Those that care about the way you're living your life, are you sinning and do you care about it? Do you go so far in your mourning for caring for your sin that you repent and you turn of it? If you ignore these commandments and you encourage other people to do it and teach others, no matter how awesome you may seem now, you will be least in the kingdom. But on the flip side, even the poorest, most ungifted, most unlearned, Person, or but this person seeks the Beatitudes, is trying to walk in the knowledge of God's Word and His Spirit, and not only that, tries to teach that to others. And by the way, all of us have a teaching ministry. Do you know you have influence on someone? You may say, Well, I'd like my ministry to be bigger, then be faithful over what God's given you. You have influence over someone. What kind of influence is that? 
The word here tells us you're, you're going to have influence over someone. And this influence that you have is going to have repercussions of you in the kingdom. Amen. But this unknown man, completely ignored by everyone, trying his best to obey the word of God and what he's taught, he's going to get the shock of his life at the the age to come when the Lord says to him, what you did I considered great in my eyes. He will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Church, God invites everyone into greatness. Everyone. He invites everyone into greatness, and it has nothing to do with the accomplishments that you have in this age. It has to do with your heart response. Where is your heart? Matthew 5, verse 20 says, Unless, for I tell you, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I want you to catch something. It talks about entrance. Entrance where? Into the kingdom. What is God saying? That your heart is the key into the entrance to the kingdom of heaven. Unless your righteousness is different from the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, unless something about you is different because you serve Jesus, you're not going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's a good word. I don't know where y'all are, but that's good. It's not by hypocritical or external legalities. It's not by your religion or your games. It's by a truly righteous heart. And do you know when you start to walk out the Word of God, do you know what overcomes you? You know what, what you get? You get the righteousness of Christ. We have the righteousness of Christ. When we truly receive Christ and we walk, we are a follower of Christ. That means we follow and we listen and we we do what he does. We follow in the footsteps of Christ and the way that he acts and the way that he approaches things. Then what covers over us is his righteousness, which opens up the entrance into the kingdom of heaven. There is no other way into the kingdom of heaven except by Jesus. No other way. We can play every game but not get in. Man, am I just, am I, am I losing y'all? The days of the church playing games is over. It's been over. There's one way in, only. One way in. The scriptures just followed these eight Beatitudes and Jesus is teaching us how to measure our heart. Am I lining up with his word? And you know, God gave us quite a few measuring sticks to know the state of our heart. But one of the main ones, and I'm going to jump ahead in the Sermon on the Mount, which we'll come back to in a, little, in a few weeks. But we're going to jump to your fruit. How can we know the state of our heart? By looking at our fruit. You know, you're, if you've really changed, your fruit will change. If you've not, you will sound like one thing, but you'll still be the other. You can't fake your fruit. You can't go plant an apple tree and that apple tree fake you out and and have pears or peaches. It's impossible. 
It's impossible. We can fake everything. We can shake hands and say, hey, how's it going? I'm doing good, man. Praise God. But then you turn around and you're living a double life. Nope, your fruit will find, you will start to bear fruit and people will see it. You can't fake your fruit. Matthew 7, 17. Every good tree bears fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Kind of sounds like uh, Dr. Seuss, doesn't it? (laughs) Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by your fruit, you will recognize them. You know what also he's saying is that sheep in wolves' clothing. You know how to find them out? Look at their fruit. It's a scary thing, isn't it? Have you ever thought, what kind of fruit am I bearing? Be careful, but ask your kids. Ask your spouse. Ask those close to you. They'll tell you the truth. They should. What kind of fruit am I bearing? Where's the fruit? I told somebody today I was thinking about calling them, and I've been trying to encourage them. I've said it four or five times, but I finally said, you know what, I'm going to stop saying that to you because my fruit doesn't show it. I'm going to even stop saying I've been thinking about calling you. You know what's going to happen? I'm going to call you. Let the fruit show. I can sit here and play a good game to your face and then never do anything in return, and I have done that. Where's my fruit? Eventually, you get to where you don't even want to hear what I have to say. How many of you told you something over and over, told you something over and over, but they never follow through? What happens? You shut them off. You turn them off. I feel like we want to, I want to share a little story about just being good fruit and having good fruit, being light, being salt. Um, this week, and we were invited to a movie, and yes, I'm going to talk about movies. Um, we had a conviction years ago, Paul, Paul and I did, not to go see rated R movies. Not just to go see them, but not to have them in our house, you know, we just... We just felt that conviction. I'm not trying to make any of you guys feel guilty. If you're sitting there thinking, crud, she's talking about rated R movies. I don't want to think about this. But, but hear my story. Because we felt convicted. It was a personal conviction of ours. And honestly, I'm an I'm a intercessor. I'm a griever. I see things, and I'm like, oh, we got to pray about this. And so it just would get me down. It would make me grieve. It was unedifying. There were several reasons why this was just nasty. We didn't want it in our lives. Well, this, um, this week, we got invited to a movie, uh, dinner and a movie. I didn't think anything about it. We were like, yeah, that sounds like fun. Somebody invited us out. Let's go out. Let's have a good time. And our kids were going to go play with the other kids, the other family's kids, and they were going to have pizza. It was going to be a lot of fun. Well, so Saturday morning, Pastor Paul got up, and he looked at me, and he said, uh, that movie's rated on that they've asked us to go to. And we've agreed to it. Our kids are looking forward to it. And like, shoot. So I thought, well, maybe it's not that bad. Y'all just listen here, as my little story goes. I'll go look on Plugged In, you know, the Christian thing where you can look at. Maybe it's like just rated that because it was like adult situations, you know. I don't know. So I go look at it, and I'm reading it. And I'm like, this is awful. This is awful. How, what are we going to do? How are we going to tell these people? that we, we don't want to go. Well, so we decided, and it was hard. It was a hard decision because our kids 
wanted to do this thing. They were going to have fun, and we were going to have fun. So I went and just, we talked about it. We agreed we weren't comfortable. So I go and I say, I, we can't go see that movie. And I'm telling you, it was shock. That was the first response I got was, you guys don't watch rated R movies? Like, you're adults. Why would you not do that? And, and then I just said, you know, we just, we just can't do it. I, I just, I know myself, I know I just shouldn't do this. This is just a conviction arc. We, we can't do it. Well, so they were very nice, very kind, trying to find a different movie. Well, the other movie was rated R. So I went and read that review. That was worse. So by this point, we, we say, you, you can come to our house. You know, we're trying to figure this out. Or you can go and just not feel bad about it. We'll go eat with you. Well, I want you to realize, what I didn't realize this whole time, this was so uncomfortable, and this is my whole point to this whole story, is that my children were watching. My children were listening. And when he just said, you guys are teachers, you may not realize that you have an audience. You may not realize that you have a, somebody that you're teaching, but we were teaching. And when I started saying, when the children started saying, why don't you go? What's well, rated R? Oh. And, you know, my older ones just go, oh, they get it. Oh, we don't do that. But my little one, when we said we can't go because it's rated R, and we gave that up. We did go to eat dinner, but then we just, we actually went and ate donuts at Ralph's, me and him together, and then went up and got the kids. <laughs> but what I'm saying to you is that they are listening. And my littlest one, who's pretty black and white, looked at me and she said, you made the right choice. <laughs> so I want to say, You're, you got an audience. I've got an audience. And you know what? When we make the right choices, it matters. It matters. Amen. Thank you. I am going to say we do see rated R movies every now and then. Passion of the Christ. But I did go see Argo. Well, I am. You just said we don't see rated R movies. And I've got a good friend, uh, uh, Tammy's husband, Alan. We're going to go see Zero Dark Thirty. We are. We're going to go see that. You know, these... I'm... We are... <laughs> you know, it helps. It helps to divert attention when you're talking about where you're going to go mess up, right? And wait a minute. I didn't influence him to go see it. He influenced me to go... <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Hear me now. We are not perfect. You are not perfect. We are going to make mistakes, but what's our fruit? What's our fruit? You know, she and I have made decisions when it comes to um, certain things in our life that we are not going to uh, put ourselves in front of. And, you know, it's, it's different for everyone. Paul talks about that, about how not helping people fall back into their sin. And if this person doesn't want to do that, then when you're with them, you just don't do that if it doesn't bother you. But it does say that if something bothers you, if you know something to be wrong and you do it, it's sin. 
You don't have to have an absolute word that says this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Nope, it says if you know what's wrong in your heart. Now, that's when you're salt and light. That's when you're full of the Spirit and you're full of the Word and you know what's right and wrong and you come across something that says that feels wrong and you do it, it says it's sin. So I I just want to encourage you. People are listening and you are influencing. All right, can you receive that? Okay, let's keep going. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap things up. Our fruit. We, we can recognize, we can recognize others by their fruit, but not only that, they can recognize you by your fruit. What kind of fruit am I bearing? Luke 6 verse 43 says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good, where? Stored up in his heart. What is stored up in your heart? Because that's what you're going to offer. When your wife comes to you men with a crisis, do you know what you're going to have to offer her? What's stored up in your heart? Do you see why it's so important, men, that we have the right things stored in our heart? Because if we don't, that's going to be released out of us. Same thing for you ladies when your husbands come home with a crisis. Uh, uh, Do you know that the woman makes the man? I was reading this in Dave Ramsey's book, talking about... uh, George Bush Sr., the first George Bush, was riding around with his wife, Barbara, and they were back in their hometown and had to get gas, had to stop for gas, and went to the attendant, and the attendant came out, and it was an old boyfriend of Barbara's. (laughs) And uh, George sees Barbara get out and hug him and talk to him for a minute, and she comes back in and gets in the car, and George says, well, who was that? And she goes, well, that was one of my old boyfriends. He goes, well, you know, aren't you lucky that... uh, that you didn't go that direction. You didn't wind up the wife of a, of a gas station attendant. You wound up the wife of a president. She said, oh, no, it wouldn't have mattered which one I married. If I'd have married him, he would have been president. <laughs> you know, she's saying it's based on what's stored up in my heart. That's what Barbara's saying. Wives, what's stored up in your heart is going to have direct impact on your marriage and on your family, on your children. What's stored up in your heart? Can you see that what Jesus is trying to deal with in Matthew chapter 5 is dealing with your heart? If he can get your heart right, everything else will be right. We come in here so easily with our heart all bent out of shape. And the Lord's saying, wait a minute, I can straighten that out if you will let me. But wait a minute, he made me mad. Wait a minute. He said, she said, they don't go to rated R movies. But then the pastor said, he does go to rated R movies. Which one do they do? He didn't say hi to me. She didn't talk to me when I was at Chick-fil-A this week. What's in your heart? Man, it's, it's time that we come into church to change. What's stored up in your heart? 
Matthew 5, 20, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will not enter the kingdom. Sorry. You will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, I want to ask you this question. I think it's the biggest question we could ever ask. What does God want? God, what are you looking for in me? What do you want? 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Your heart, not your stuff, not, your, not even your offering, not even your sacrifice. He wants your heart. He wants your obedience. And you know what heed means? It means to listen and to do. It's not enough just to listen. We've got to do. That's what God wants from you. Psalm 40 verse 6. Sacrifice and offering you don't desire, but my ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you don't require. Then I said, here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. You know, David was a man after God's own heart. And I think this wraps it up right here. God know, David knows God well enough to know, God, you don't want this. You do want this. This is what I give you, is a broken and contrite heart. Look at what it says right here. Psalm 51, you don't delight in sacrifice or I'd bring it. You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifice of righteousness in burnt offerings, offered whole, then bulls will be offered on your altar. Do you see it? When we get our heart right, then he receives our offering. Then he is delighted in our sacrifice. The problem is we put the cart before the horse. We just want to give God the offering and do the religious thing and hope that he'll just bless us. Nope, he says, just leave that other stuff and give me your heart. Give me your heart. Jeremiah 7, verse 21, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, go ahead, add your burnt offerings to your other sacrifices and eat the meat yourself. For when I brought your ancestors out of Egypt and spoke to them, I did not just give them commands about burnt offerings and sacrifices, but I gave them this command, obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you that it may go well with you. That it may go well with you. He promises to be our God and us his people. He provides, he, he shows us what we're supposed to do. He gives us the provision and then he gives us the reward. Amos chapter 5 verse 21. I, lo I, I love this. I hate I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offering and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I won't listen to the music of your hearts. But let justice roll on like a river. Righteousness like a never failing stream. 
God hates religious games. It's righteousness he desires. He desires a truly changed heart. Righteousness comes from your heart. Righteousness comes from your heart. Micah chapter 6. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? And he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. I want to encourage you. When you come in here to church, do you know God's just looking at your heart? If your heart's not right, he doesn't like the other stuff. If your heart's right, he takes delight in you. Church needs to be different. Church needs to be different. It needs to be different in me. It needs to be different in you. God doesn't like the the bells and whistles. He's looking at your heart. And you know, today's church is good at the bells and whistles. But is today's church good at the heart? I think our nation shows that we're missing it. Church, if I can encourage you, start changing your heart. Start getting in the Word. Start praying. Start asking for help. Start putting yourself around people that pour the Word into you. And get away from the people that tear you away from it. We've got to make a change. We've got to make a change. Will you make a change? That's what the Lord would say to you today. I feel like the word of the Lord for you today is, God would say, I've paid every price for you. I've paid every price for you. Now will you just give me your heart? You've walked the aisle. You've prayed the sinner's prayer. But your heart hasn't changed. Would you change? Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray for mercy, Lord. We need mercy. And we need grace. I just feel that someone is sitting here, that many are sitting here and cannot even forgive themselves for what they've done. I want you to know that Jesus paid the price for everything that you have done. It's already been paid for. But you've got to receive it. You've got to believe it and you've got to start to walk it out according to that what you've received and that what you believe. Your belief has to then translate into movement, into faith, into fruit. Lord Jesus, I've received you into my heart and I want to change according to your will. 
Father, I pray over this church that we would receive your salvation, your provision, your spirit, and that, Lord, that we would allow you to change our heart. Change our heart, Lord. Do you know Jesus? Have you tried it every single way but nothing works? And you're here today to say, I'm ready to try Jesus' way. Do you know that it says in his word that he wants to give you a new heart, a fresh start, a clean slate? He wants to take all that baggage that you've come in here with and wipe it clean. Do you know that's the price that he paid for you? He hung on the cross between heaven and earth and identified with your sin. And you know what? He took that sin to the grave. But he's not dead anymore. He's alive. And he is ready to receive you into his kingdom. Would you do that? Would you, right where you sit, just ask Jesus, Jesus, come into my heart. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I ask you to change my heart and forgive me for the way I've been living. Save me, Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Are you here today and you just feel like your life is just falling apart? You've received Jesus, but your life is falling apart. I just encourage you right now, turn your heart directly to him. Turn your heart directly to him. Father, I know that nothing can soften a man's heart but you. Nothing can soften a woman's heart but you. Let us recognize that we are poor in spirit and we are so in need of a Savior. Change us, Lord. Will you all stand up with me? Those that are praying with me, y'all come on down. We want to pray with you this morning. We just open this altar up to prayer. What do you need? Is it financial? Is it health? Is it relational? Is it marital? What kind of prayer do you need? We just want to open this altar up right now for prayer as we sing. Amen.